Let's pray before we begin. We thank you, our Heavenly Father. It's time that we can gather and listen and hear your word. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings you have provided our needs. We pray, Father, for an understanding heart. Speak to us. Challenge our hearts. Change us. May we be a living testimony into this world that needed the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When the pastor asked me to preach, I have been thinking about what kind of message I should be preparing, what kind of verse in the Bible, what book. So I pray to the Lord for his guidance. And the life of King Solomon came into my mind, especially the book of Ecclesiastes. Especially the book of Ecclesiastes where King Solomon tried everything. He lived his life in this world under the sun. Under the sun means below the sun. Below the clouds, but not in heaven, not above the heaven. But in the system, the system of this world. So King Solomon did everything to find happiness, true happiness. In wealth, in wisdom, in prestige. He married many, many women just to find that happiness. But ultimately, this is the conclusion of his uh, his life. I would like you to open your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. What I would like, I would like to ask you to please stand up. We will read this in unison. If you can, if you can stand up please. We will read this in unison. Can you please say Amen when you're ready? Amen. Okay. Alright. Ready? Begin. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, said the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abided forever. Please be seated. During the era of the kings in Israel, there was always um, a summary of their life, of the kings. How they lived their life or how they ruled as a king. And it's like the epitaph of the tombstone. He did which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did which was evil in the sight of the Lord. So, King Solomon did what is evil in the sight of the Lord. And because of his mistakes, failures, his departure away from God, he realized that the true happiness can only be found through a relationship, through the living God, the God of Israel. So, because of his sin, that mistakes he made, he can see now that the glorious kingdom of 
of uh, when Solomon became king, it was a prosperous 40 years. Prosperity and peace. Solomon means peace. So, that 40 years was a prosperity. Then later on, when he was writing the book, book of Ecclesiastes, he realized that there's a judgment of his sin. The sin he had committed against God will be judged. So he can see now that the glorious kingdom is declining. And also he began to gather the nation of Israel just to give him instruction. So when he began to gather, he began to preach to the nation of Israel. He began to speak to the hearts of the people of God. And he said to them, Listen, my people, listen. I want you to know. I am your king and you are my people. He's preaching. Are you talking about wealth? I am the wealthiest man in the world. So let's think about his preaching. Are you talking about wisdom? I was the wisest man in the world. But King Solomon says, I have it all. I have everything you're looking for to satisfy your needs. And he said, when you live in this world without God, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So that was the conclusion that we just read. Now, the question is this. The question more than 3,000 years ago, when Solomon, after that preaching, the question for the nation of Israel is this. Will they follow God? As the people of God. Will they live for Him? Will they be a living testimony into this world that needed the living God? To the nation, outside the nation of Israel. They want, they need to say that there's a God of Israel. So just like us now. So, 3,000 years ago, this book is an inspired word of God. The principle remains the same. Remains the same. The question remains the same. The question 3,000 years ago, it was written. It's the same question in our time. Here's the question. Will you live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you be a living testimony? Will you follow the Lord Jesus Christ? That is the question. So it's true in our time where, as a Christian, actually the book of Ecclesiastes was written for the nation of Israel. It was addressed to them. In our time, it's addressed to you. For the believers, you and I, it was addressed to us. So, as a believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be merely walking in this world, merely passing by without any purpose. Walking in this world without any intention or interest to know the will of God. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 14, For what is your life? For it is even as a vapor, for a little while, it vanishes away. The lifespan that God has given you, maybe 60, 70, 80, 90, or even 100 years. But we will give an account. That very life that was given to us will soon end. We will gonna die. The Bible says that, as it is appointed for a man once to die, but after this, the judgment. The unbelieving world to those who reject, reject Jesus Christ, they will face the great white throne judgment. When they face God, they will be rejected. And they will spend their, their eternity separated from God, which is very, very sad because you, 
separated away from God, those unbelieving world. But for the believers, you and I, we will face the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord Jesus will ask, what have you done with your life? Now, in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, the last chapter where King Solomon was written, it was, he was, it was talking to the young generation, the younger generation, and he's saying, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. So, he said, don't forget God when you're young. Young people, look at me please. Don't forget God. And when we were, we were born in this world, I was just looking at those little kids. When they were born in this world, a couple more years, they will be in school. Later on, they go, to, they go to college. Then they look for a job. Then later on, they look for a wife. Later on, they look for a husband. And we, try, we build this family. We grow that family. And later on, we try to improve our career. We spend more money to improve our career. And sometimes these things can consume our time when we tend to set aside God. God, I don't have time for you. And we know that's the reality. That's the reality of life, especially in the Western world, where we are consumed with so many things. But we realize that the very important thing is we miss it. I remember a story about two years ago, I went back to the Philippines for a vacation and I arrived to this place, my place where I'm staying. There's a man standing at the gate. And at first, I, never, I didn't recognize him. This man, he gave me a job during my college years. In my, uh, during summertime, he, he, he gave me a job to, in, a, in a tracking company. as a summertime job. And at that time, he was very young. This time, I can see him. He's, he's a, he has a long hair, never shaved. He's holding on a stick and he's skinny and he's almost, he's very, he's very weak. And at that time, he was very young, strong with a family, happy, happy man. And I talked to him and he's, he told me a lot of stories about how his life was so in trouble. So much pain, so much sorrow, rebellion against the kids, separation, and the health problem, all those kind of problems, everything is just a disaster. And he, he told me about it that he wants to get right with God. And he is dying. In just a few days, he will, he, he will die. Because apparently the organs, his organs is already failed. It fails that it's just counting. It's like a time bomb that once it's done, gone dead. So he says that I want to get right with God. So he traveled far away from the city just to, he wants to see me actually. And he says that I want to get right with God. Because in the early year of his time, he knows the Lord. He was, his, he was saved. So, he said that, I want to get baptized. So, I have to run, look for a pastor, local Baptist pastor, you know. So, first we went to barbershop, of course. You know, look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we look for a barbershop. Then, the next day, he got baptized. And shortly thereafter, he passed away. So, went back here in Canada. While I was on the plane, I was, I've been pondering about it, among that kind of, what if that man actually follow God? 
when he was young. You know, could it be a different story? He might have said, how unspeakable joy, how wonderful my family are serving the Lord, seeing them. How beautiful is it that we have nice relationship with the family, with my wife. Instead of telling me so much trouble that the family, entire family is all, almost in rebellion, almost a problem. So remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. Amen. What I would like you to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of introduction to King Solomon's uh, life. King Solomon is a uh, son of King David, a man after God's own heart. Mentioned twice in the Bible, a man after God's own heart. So, King David, his father, he basically inherited the entire kingdom, King Solomon. The wealth, the prestige, the power. So we can say that he was a privileged boy, privileged child or man, but he basically inherited everything. He died at the age of, according to the, some of the commentaries, they say it's around 50 to 60. So let's say 60 years old. It's very young. It's not really very old. 60 years old. And he started to reign around 20 years old. And he reigned for 40 years. That 40 years is a prosperity in peace. Solomon means peace. It's a representation that the Lord Jesus Christ would come. And it will be a peaceful time. So, 40 years of reign of King Solomon. During this reign, he actually wrote three books. The first book that he wrote was the Song of Songs, which he talked about the Shulamite woman, how he loved the Shulamite woman, how they have a relationship. So that was in the very early stage. In the Middle Age, he wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote thousands to the nation of Israel. We're enjoying it now, the book of Proverbs. The nation, around the world, people would come and see King Solomon's and hear the wisdom. Could you imagine that? And at the very light, at the very end of his life, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is the one that he, where, the text, the book of Ecclesiastes, where he realized that because of his sin, we will discuss the sin later on, but because of his sin, the nation is crumbling now, declining, where he can see that the country, the, the, the kingdom will be going through a, a judgment from God. As you can see here, a leader, if they, he made a mistake or something, it always follow. It will always follow. It will always affect the, you know, the, the others, the people around them. So, King Solomon speak to the nation of Israel, give him instruction as how to live their life. Exactly what we've discussed here before. How do you live your life? So while he's talking to the young generation, he reminded himself, he realized, he looked back that, wow, my dad gave me an instruction. At this time, like, wow, I have to, re- I recall that my dad, he gave me an instruction of this time. So I'd like you to open your book on 1 Kings chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. 1 Kings chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. 1 Kings chapter 2. 2, verse 1 to 4. Ready? I will read. First Kings, 
chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. Ready? I will read. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. This is when Solomon was dying. He was probably bedridden at the time. So he needed to make sure that he gave instruction to the, his young son Solomon. Verse number three. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk with his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgment in his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that, that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word with his, which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee a man on the throne of Israel. So as you can see now, when, when, when David was very, very old, he said, Solomon, Solomon, listen, my son, listen. You need to follow God. You need to obey Him. You need to follow His commandment as it is written in the book of Moses. And you know what, Solomon? There is a promise for us that the Lord shall not fail thee the man that w- sits on the throne of Israel, meaning the Lord will help those one who sits on the throne of Israel. Could you? Such a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful instruction from a dad to his son. So, what we're going to do is, I, we will go to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Let's move to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Kings, chapter 3, verse 3. I will read. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Such a wonderful verse. Solomon loved the Lord. That's exactly what we're looking for. Like Solomon loved the Lord. Now we will continue on verse 5. I will read. In Gibeon... The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. So God asked Solomon of whatever he wants. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the Lord is asking Solomon, Solomon, what exactly do you need? I'm going to give it to you. So we will read verse 6 because this is the response from Solomon. So we'll read it together in unison. I'm going to reserve my voice. On verse 6, we will read it up to 14. Verse 6, 14. Unison, please. Unison. So we will read on... This is the response from Solomon. Alright, ready? Verse 6, begin. And Solomon said...
What a desire of Solomon to lead his people. He wants to be a kind of man that he would be able to lead such a nation to follow God. Such a beautiful desire. Solomon as a young man, he says, Lord, I want... His desire is to just simply bring the nation of Israel, the people of God, to follow after God. Such a wonderful, wonderful uh, desire. But now we will bypass some of this uh, Solomon's life. So here is the sad part of Solomon now. So we're just switching gear now, which is we can see now. After all the wonderful things we can read from Solomon, we can hear. We can see now that Solomon really... There is really a sin nature in our life. You know, the reality that that human nature is really... We have sinned against God. So I'd like you to turn your... Uh, turn to First Kings eleven. First Kings eleven, verse one. First Kings eleven, verse one. I will read eleven, verse one. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Whoa. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh. So as you can see, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, as you can see, God prohibits Solomon to get married outside the nation of Israel. He cannot marry. This is a sample for our young people. Time will come you want to get married or finding a husband or wife. We cannot get married to the unbelieving world. Simple as that. So Solomon, do not equally yoke with unbeliever. It's a principle. It's a Bible verse, right? So, King Solomon, right away he married the king, the, the, the daughter of Pharaoh. Could you imagine that? Just to make an alliance with, with Egypt. So, daughter of Pharaoh, woman of, Mo, of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Verse 2, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto this in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Could you imagine that? Whew. Now, verse 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect in the Lord his God and was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Astoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord and did David his father. And did Solomon build in high places for Chemos, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning his thing, these things, that he should not go after other gods, but he should not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, 
which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and I will give it to thy servant. So you can see, Solomon, he worshipped other gods. You will see the reality of the nature of man. The truth of the matter is we cannot really trust our God. I mean, sorry, not trust our heart. We cannot trust our heart. When God said, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. That is true. That is true. My wife, we talk about, I'm going to Bible college, and we kind of identify what could be the possible issue. You kind of enumerate, yeah, this, this, this is a different angles, right? What could be some of the problems going to arise? Eventually, Satan ultimately is going to, he won't, he won't give you a red carpet ultimately. So, I never say, you have to trust me, you know, I'm a good man, you trust me. No, I would say that. All I'm going to say, I, all I say is, you know, I'm just going to get closer to Jesus Christ. That's all. I'm going to get closer to Jesus. That's it. So, that's the reality of, of, of of man, as you can see here, that Solomon, as a leader, when he he sin, it affects the nation of Israel. As you can see now, the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms as part of the consequences of the sin. There's a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And later on, shortly when Solomon died, shortly the the Babylon captured the other kingdom. And now all this. Men and women were hunted like an animal. Could you imagine that? The mom and dad were hunted like an animal. And the kids were chains going to the Babylon. It's just part of that sequence of events. You know? That's why as a leader in the house, mom and dad, or even our own nation, when a leader sin, commits sins against whatever, the living God or any, it always affects the, the young like in our time, if the government, the leaders would start legalizing or giving them drugs to the young generation, it will. Ultimately, it will, it will suffer the young generation. The mom and dad, if they commit whatever failure in their life, ultimately the family, it, it's affected. The rebellion of a child, do you think that rebellion of a child it doesn't affect the mom and dad? Absolutely not. Mom and dad are looking, maybe tears, when nobody sees them. So, that is the reality of, of our of our nature. So, what we're going to do is, I would like to capture or learn from the life of Solomon, and we'll bring it to our time, you know, 3,000 years ago in our generation. Now, what kind of lesson we can learn? Oh, lesson, yeah. Lesson we can learn from Solomon. So, the sin of Solomon was an idolatry, you know. At some point of his time, he neglected God. So it affects, it eventually become an, he become, he sinned against God, sin of idolatry. But you may say, Brother June, I don't worship those gods, those kind of thing. See, what do you mean by an idol? Idol is something that you love more, something you desired more, something you serve more. Let's do it again. More than God. You know, that's the missing thing. Something you serve more, something you love more, something you desire more, more than God. So let's do it again. Let's memorize this. Idolatry is something you love more. Say it, please. Something you love more. This is something you desired more. Something you serve more, more than God. So that's an idolatry. So we'll see what's going on in our time. I, we don't have those idols anymore. I remember the story of Abraham. Abraham, in, our, in, the, in, in his home, 
hometown, they have this little shop, you know, his dad, Tara, father, Tara, they have this little shop where they sell those different idols. Maybe Abraham would order some blocks of stones and they have some workers who would carve those images and they have a stores. But eventually Abraham realized that, like, what's going on? This is nonsense, you know. So he smashed all those idols in, in, in the stores. That's before when God uses Abraham to, to follow God's direction, to be gent. So, the point is, sometimes God will use us if we are to smash all those idols in our life. Now, what I'm going to do is, I don't know, we're running late probably. What time, Pastor, should we stop here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... What I'm gonna do is we'll we'll do a short drill, you know. This is usually done by the you know the the um, in the nursery or whatever. But we'll do it. I didn't intend not to put any in, my, in the visual aids, but what we'll do is this. We will. I, ha- I haven't. I never. I haven't gone through my points yet. I haven't started yet. <laughs> so <clears throat> what we'll do is we will apply what we've learned from Solomon. So, what I would like you to do is this. We will learn this. I want you to carry this with you. Carry it to your school. Carry it to your work. Carry it at home. Carry it with your heart until you pass this world. So, what we're going to do is this. It's a very simple, but I'd like you to participate, please. Alright? So, these are my points, but basically this is a command from God. Something we can remind ourselves that, you know what, that was Solomon's problem, you know. I could have seen it before. So, put your hands like this on top, all right? Put this your hand, please. Say amen, please. Amen. amen. All right. Hold your thumb like this. And repeat after me. We will do this twice. I want you to memorize it. Sing it in your heart. Remember it. I will love. Follow me, please. I will love the Lord thy God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might. Wonderful. Amen. Next point. I will be a living testimony in this world that needed to know. That needed to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I will, uh, number three, middle finger. <laughs> I remember, I will remember him. I will remember him. In everything that I do. Ring finger. I will proclaim him. To the people around me. Number four, the smallest finger. I will talk and walk with him. Can we, can we do it one more time please? That's how, you're, that's how you kind of memorize it. I will love the Lord my God. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might. Index finger, I will be a living testimony into this world that needed the Lord Jesus Christ. Middle finger, I will remember, I will remember him in everything that I do. Ring finger, I will proclaim him to the people around me. Last finger, I will talk 
and walk with Him. Amen. Now, I'm going to start with my points now. Ready? <laughs> Alright, Brother Yun, I don't believe on idolatry. Alright? But I believe, for me, I believe that idolatry is one of the greatest sin we could ever commit. Commit as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why? You know why? Because idolatry transgresses the first commandment. What was the first commandment? That's right. Love the Lord thy God. It transgresses an idol more than God. It transgresses the first commandment. So idolatry. That was the sin of King Solomon. Now, Brother June, believe me, I don't worship those stones, images. You know what? The Bible says that Satan is the angels. Is he, he disguised as an angel of light. Right? So, he basically changed the uniform of this. He changed the looks of this, uh, of these images, of these idols in the past. The god Mammon, small j please, idol god Mammon, is the god of wealth and money. I worked for 18 years in the downtown core area. I can see the money-making machine, you know, how they strive to, to make that money and set aside God. In the school of business, when the teacher would ask, why did you go to school? What is what do you expect from us to train you? The student would say, yeah, just make us money-making machine and that's it. And forget God. It's sad, right? But to make it short, even for the believers, we can be worshipping the idols. Why? In expense to God's time. You may have been sitting in this tonight, but you know what, Lord? Of course, God knows your heart. I don't judge, right? God knows your heart because it's our livelihood anyway. But you know that it's time for the Lord to work. But it's time, it's time to work. So what I'm saying is, we should not neglect God in expense for money. See? We know that. We must work. That's why the Lord has always some sort of balance, right? You must not neglect learning the Word of God, the relationship you and the Lord. But if you work seven days a week without God, then, again, the gods of Mammon. What else is the first one? The goddess Venus. Who is the goddess Venus? It's the god of sex and sensuality, you know. I hear that, I've read in an statistics in the past years where I drive downtown all the time. You can see this, every angle you can see this, um, this um, adult stores. You know what I'm talking about, right? The adult stores. The adult store surpasses the numbers of McDonald's. McDonald's. So, could you imagine the billion dollar business of this that we're facing now? As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sure you're not going to that kind of stores, but the point is, you may be looking into those materials, those view images in your home. So, we gotta watch because these are the gods the God is Venus. What else? I'm just going to cite a couple of points so that we understand. The God's Bacchus. Small d, God's Bacchus. This God's Bacchus is actually, you can see it in the billboards, beautiful billboards out on the city or in the corner with a beautiful mountain with an ice cap and there are bottles right beside it. It's the liquor industry. So, the liquor industry destroys many many lives. The rape, the accident, you know, look in the news. You go to on Friday in the hospital, there's a lineup or lineup that, you know, 
it didn't, it didn't really matches with their logo. That it looks beautiful, but at the end of the day, behind it, there's a lot of problem. It's causing it's causing money to the nation, to our country. So that is Bacchus. What else? The gods Mars, the gods of violence. Who is that? The gods of violence. These are the one we're facing it. The truth of the matter is, our young generation, you may be playing those violent beach games. That's it, the gods of Bacchus. I remember I attended this, um, it's a men's conference. It's basically the, the dad and the sons. I still remember the question. So while waiting, they asked the boy, boy, come come over here. Let's talk about something. So one, I remember one question was asked. What do you do during your spare time? Oh, he said, I would play beach games in Beijing. So, See, I say this gently, but the point is, it should be a warning for us as a believers in Jesus Christ that we would be, we may be getting into this violence, you know, the beach games, but these are the God, uh, Mars. So I'm still thinking one more, um, what else? Sophia, the goddess Sophia, whoa. I have to say this very gently because it's very, very delicate thing. Um, the goddess Sophia is the, Think about the story of the Babylon. When the Babylon captured the, the kingdom of Judah, they captured the young generation, you know, shackles to the Babylon. And this young generation, as they grow in, in the system of the Babylon, they enjoy the entertainment industry, you know, just the sports, the game, everything, the amenities that can open, can open the Babylon. See, they kind of blend. But as, as we can see, there are Daniels and there are the friends who stick, who remain true to the, to the, to the God of Israel, to God of, the God of Israel. So, in our time, it's our television. It's our social media. And we think that, oh no, it's our generation now. Yeah, of course, I understand the, you know, the, the usefulness of, of, um, of the media to communicate and as an information. And again, I remember again attending this men's fellowship, and I'm just giving you this information because it's very useful. Where this men's, the, the, you know, most most of them are the dads, you know, the the father of the house, and we actually kind of give some. Which one is the distract, very distracting things at home that that is very difficult and becomes in in the Christian way of life, it becomes a distractive. You know, part. So we realize, so we can, we, we throw some sort of, um, boat where this is the problem at home, this is the problem. You know what, on top of it, it's like a pyramid. The top one, it's a television. Could you imagine that? I remember saying it's the cable. You know what? The cable, just cut it. That's all. <laughs> so, but that's the reality, you know. So we cannot just watch and watch for five hours television and get close to God. I don't think so. Very difficult. So, of course, we use this as a tool, but to become an idol, Idol in our life, then it's a problem. What about the media? Social media? The husband or the wife say, why he's very cold to me, you know what I mean? He's cold like minus 40. Yeah, you may be probably sitting for six hours in the social media and you don't even talk to your wife or to your husband, you know? So, these are the idols in our time. So, I'm done with my point. I have four more, okay? <laughs> so, those are the idols. What about the number two? Living a life of testimony in this world. Alright. This was the 
preaching of Dr. Thiessen, our beloved Dr. Thiessen, so I'm just going to give short uh, introduction on this one. So, people look at us as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. They watch you if you really live what you're learning, the word of God, the Christ-likeness. Do you live of the principle of the Bible? So, why can we can apply this in our own family to leave them a legacy? Legacy. They watch us how we live our life, of course. And I would like, really would like to, it would be good if we would carry a Bible going to church like this. Traditional Bible instead of an iPad or a smartphone. I know you may get me wrong, but at the end of the day, I've experienced it. I lived in a condominium before. I would bring my Bible all the time and people would look at me. And I shared the gospel to them. And Sunday afternoon, they would look at me. Could you imagine if I was to bring on a smartphone, you know? We know the smartphone, you can use it, the apps. But for the Bible to carry it every day, it is a living testimony. You know? Living testimony. If you see the Bible squeezed under, put it on top of the books. You know, high regard, give high regard that he may have the preeminence, right? So, I think about the... An example where the Jewish man would train his child, you know, like a, chung, a young child to worship the God of Israel. The dad may say, okay, son, let's go to the wilderness. I'm going to show you how to, how to worship the God of Israel. We will praise him, you know. I'm going to show you where our grand-grand-granddad has been delivered. God provided them in the wilderness. So maybe they're walking. Okay, okay, dad, can I bring my toy? Yeah, let's go, let's go to that wilderness. So maybe, maybe they reach it for kilometers, you know, maybe a day. Son, look at that, you know, that's the place where, you know what, God provided our forefathers with blessings, you know, He provided. Okay, dad, okay, what do you mean? So maybe the dad is preparing his, you know, his, um, he stops at the, on the floor and he starts worshiping. So the son may look at that, that, what are you not doing? You know, I'm bored. But when you look at it later on in time, that boy will be, will be doing the same thing. You know what I mean? So this is something that we leave a legacy to the new, to the new generation. Point number three. It's just I'm looking at the clock. So point number three. I will remember him and everything that I do. When you wake up in the morning, your pillow still on your head. Do you think about something else, like the smartphone first, like an email or messenger or anything? Or you think about God? Lord, thank you. I can still see. I can still smell. I have family. I have food. All these things we should remind ourselves. First thing in the morning, when you sleep before the end of the day, the word of God should be the last word. That we can see before we close our eyes. See, I remember a story about. I actually went one time in the Douglas MacArthur Memorial in in, in the U.S. It's a it's a beautiful memorial where General MacArthur is a commanding general, one of the greatest general I believe in our time. A general that never sleep without reading his Bible. So my goal when I get to that memorial. I want to see that Bible. Where is that Bible? That's really my goal. In that little Bible, actually, a pocket Bible was sitting there on top of his clothes. Such an amazing Bible. I look at it. I took a picture. And so, after that, I was looking at this wall. Many, many cities, provinces. And these are the places where he actually, he was victorious as a commanding general. He won that victory. 
So it's like a uh, different name. So one name captured my mind is the the name Bataan. You know, in in Canada we say Bataan or Bataan. It's a city of Bataan. It's like an hour or two from Manila to Bataan. So in World War Two, the story is that when the Japanese Imperial Army bombed the Pearl Harbor, so at that point the Japanese controlled temporarily Pacific at the time. So there's no support from the U.S. A support on the ammunition in the food. So they are starving and 70 to 80,000 troops, military. Could you imagine that? No food, no supplies. So the Japanese army would start moving forward to that place called Bataan. And General MacArthur, since he is a very courageous man, he has a principle that if, if possible, he would stick, he would fight with sticks and stones till the end. He would die. Even if it's stones, I'm gonna fight. That's it. But because of the direct order from the White House, he needs, they, they have to pull out General MacArthur to the Philippines. So they have to leave that 70 to 80,000 troops. And he leave this word to the Filipino people, this word saying, I shall return. You probably heard that before, right? I shall return. So I still see the boat, the special boat they use so that he can exit to the Philippines, to Australia. So when he was in Australia, the first thing he did is this. He gave instruction to his Receptionist, those operators that saying, when you answer that phone, you make sure you tell them, Bataan speaking. Good morning, Bataan speaking. When they move the site to other site, the office, they would name that site Bataan. His uh, own air- aircraft, he, he named Bataan. But in 1944, October 20, General MacArthur went back to the Philippines and won the victory. Such a beautiful time at the time. And he said to the Filipino people, I have returned. My point here is this. We can always remind ourselves that we are in this world for a purpose. See? We're not just, okay, I'm too busy, I'm consumed of these things. No. We have to remind ourselves, we have to put ourselves in a position where there is a God that is waiting for us, that someday we will give an account to what He have done. Right? Number four. Number four is proclaim the gospel. This was preached in the morning by Pastor Matt. And I'm just going to give short, some sort of notes here. Um, proclaim, proclaim, proclaim the gospel. When, when Jesus came in this world, he called the apostles, you know, the disciples. And Jesus did not say, you know what, I think, Pete, when you get a chance, you better preach the gospel or Daniel, when you have some time later on, maybe a couple of months, let's try to share, you know, and no. The Lord Jesus was very precise. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is a command. It's a, there's no hesitation, no. So that proclamation is for all of us, not even just for Brother Ramo. Brother Ramo will be leading in summertime. I, I know the desire of the pastor's heart that we need to go out in the field, you know. We need to go out there on the streets. So, proclamation of the gospel is for every one of us. Could you imagine the Queen of England would send an ambassador or a representative to a nation, to a country? If that ambassador would not do his job, he could be charged with treason. See? For us, the believers, we are sinning against the living God if we didn't do that. There is a passing opportunity outside on the street. 
those older generation that you see all the time, someday they're gone. Passing opportunity. I remember the story of Japan. When the Japan during World War II, usually the commanding general would always ask, bring us some teachers here and missionary. That's how they do it, right? That's, that's always the, the, always the, the end of the, of the war. Alright, in the war, bring some more teachers and missionaries. That's what happened in the Philippines. That's why I think we're here. Because if you try to trace it, it goes back to that point where the, the U.S. have sent missionaries in the Philippines. And now we're here. We didn't know that. But the truth is, it, it's the reality. So in Japan at the time, like, oh, no, we don't have much missionary to send to Japan. Every time I listen to Dr. Sis, Don Sis, you will see the, the difficulty of sharing the gospel in Japan. Why? Because that opportunity already passed by. There's a window of opportunity. If you miss that window because of the, the prosperity. Always remember, when the nation is, is not really that rich, the gospel is still okay. They, they receive it okay. But the moment they become more busy with their technology, the prosperity, it t- tends to decline. It becomes so difficult. That's why, as I mentioned, there is a passing opportunity in our community. And... Isn't that wonderful, like the, in the book of Isaiah? The book of Isaiah talk about the beautiful feet. The beautiful feet of a man that brings good news. Can we say, oh, how beautiful is the feet of the believers of the Legacy Baptist Church that share the gospel across the street? That would heal the broken lives of those people. How beautiful is that young student that would share the gospel to her friend. How beautiful is that feet of that man who shared the gospel to his co-worker. So, so beautiful. It's beautiful. So it also, this is our, everybody's task that was given to us with our Lord Jesus Christ. I give you a little bit of testimony where a couple of years I always pray. I would go out even in the downtown core in, when, like in the downport area. I would go out with backpack full of um, trucks. But I would always pray that, Lord, bring me someone with me that I can join as a partner, you know. There's always a joy with someone to share the gospel. And later on, our brother here, Daniel, the pianist, Agent, I would like to come, you know. So, so through those years, we went to downtown for many, many areas in the downtown core. During summertime, we would pick up a place. Such a joy to, to have a companion like that. You talk, after that, we spent an hour at Tim Hortons. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> we spend more time in Tim Hortons rather than sharing the gospel. <laughs> so, I know his order, hot chocolate. So. <laughs> so, such a joy if you have someone with you, you know, I'm discouraged, but he's there. But yeah, we probably hand out trucks, maybe several thousand of trucks. During winter time, we had on those buildings, the high-rise building. We would jump on the high-rise, like, 35th floor. And we would deliver trucks on every of those doors. I remember Jamestown, it's like probably 20, 20 buildings. I've done it before, but if you total it, there's probably 20 or 20 buildings. 500 trucks, each building. Could you imagine that? So there's a slots there that you just deliver. And the people there are actually from all over the place. And when you give it to them, they will read it. Of course, they just pull it right away and they read. But what I'm saying is that there's always an opportunity for us to give tracks. I understand the older generation, they don't have that energy anymore. The Lord knows your heart, you know. The Lord knows that there's always something that you can function. 
But what I'm trying to encourage you is that it's always this summertime. It's getting brighter now. Talk to Brother Ramo. Hey, Brother Ramo, how can I join you? It's sad when I, you start following up the members and just no response at all. Sad, sad, sad story. So let's try to support Brother Ramo at this time where it's not his responsibility. It is your responsibility. One day, you will face God and God will ask you on that. I traveled across Canada because of my job and I always carry a truck. But there are opportunities where I didn't do it. And still, that face in front of me is still fresh. I can still remember that face. I didn't do it because of my disobedience. But my point is this. You know it, that God is dealing you, that you must do it. See, it is our responsibility to share the gospel. Um, So my last point is, I will be singing, but I would ask you to sing with me on the last two verses, the last two chorus. So this are this is going to be my five, my last points number 5 Hear the Lord of harvest sweetly calling will go and work for me today. Let me just turn this off. Who will bring to me the lost and dying? Who will point them to the narrow way? Speak, my Lord. Speak, my Lord, speak, and I'll be quick to answer thee. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord, speak, and I will answer, Lord, send me. When the call of fire God's the prophet Making him as pure As pure can be When the voice of God said Who'll go for us Then he answered Here am I, send me Speak, my Lord Speak, my Lord Speak, and I'll be quick to answer thee. Speak, my Lord. Speak, my Lord. Speak, and I will answer, Lord, send me. Millions now in sin and shame are dying. Listen to their sad and bitter cry. Hasten, brother, hasten to the rescue.
Quickly answer, Master, here am I. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord. Speak, and I'll be quick to answer thee. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord. Speak, and I will answer, Lord, send me. Soon the time for reaping will be over. Soon we'll gather for the harvest time. May the Lord of harvest smile upon us. May we hear his blessed child will die. Let's stand up together and we will sing the last two stanza. Alright? Speak my Lord. Okay, ready? Sing. Speak my Lord. Speak my Lord. Speak and I'll be quick to answer thee. Speak my Lord. Speak my Lord. Speak and I will answer Lord's in me. One more time. Speak my Lord. Speak, my Lord, speak, and I refuse to answer thee. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord, speak, and I will answer 